COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at vitalant.org. You could help save lives. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds. And while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The Glass Noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 71 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're delving more into data and the state of B2B marketing. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. L. Wolf is back in to continue our chat about data and B2B marketing. We'll get to that chat in just a moment. Next time, John Chang of IBM will be here to talk about some thinking he's done on career planning for marketers. Really interesting discussion we have. Hope you can stay tuned for that. As we look at the weeks ahead, Jonathan Soros will be here to chat about social selling. Rob Whedon will be back to discuss data, intent, and marketing. Scott Horn of Prism HR will be in to talk about being a CMO in a high-growth company. A.J. Wilcox will join me to chat about this social media minefield. Joe Martin of CloudApp will be in to chat about using video and visuals in marketing and business in general. It promises to be a fun summer here, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, on Confessions of a Marketer, so stay tuned. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, The iPod, with Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening there. Head over to theinnovationpodcast.co to tune in. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, let's get back to my chat with L. Wolf. Last time, we talked a lot about data and started to deconstruct the transformation of B2B marketing, which I thought was reminiscent of the consumerization of IT trend. So let's get to it. In a way, it's kind of like 10 years ago, the consumerization of technology in corporations. You know, you used to get a standard issue cell phone and that was it. That was your only choice. And then the iPhone came around and uh, IT has pretty much become consumerized, especially with SaaS technologies. And maybe that's happening slower in marketing for, you know, B2B, but it's, it's, it's kind of headed in that direction. It's true. And I mean, it's funny that you say that, like, you know, it does feel like on the B2C side, there's been these just rapid innovations. I mean, just, you know, you think about sort of, 
again, sort of what your your life looks like and how many of these things you interact with every day and, you know, smart devices and all this stuff just feels like it's happened so rapidly. But I mean, you know, on the B2B side, it wasn't that long ago that we were kind of wandering around in the dark and we had very little yeah. insight into what people were clicking on even, right? Like the idea of being able to collect some amount of behavioral data about what our buyers are doing when they engage with our marketing. I mean, you know, that that wasn't that long ago that we couldn't even do that. So the cycles do feel a bit longer, I suppose, but we are making a lot of progress and momentum. I mean, I started working at Eloqua, oh gosh, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. And at that point, you know, some of these concepts, that things that we take for granted today in B2B marketing, like that are just like, you know, it's just the way business is done. Yeah, um, those yeah. were new, big ideas at the time. So, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. And I think we see... You know, I was just at the Serious Decision Summit in Austin last week, and you walk around, and there's certainly been quite a bit of consolidation and, you know, different sort of categories starting to merge together, but there's a lot of cutting-edge stuff out there that really is designed to deliver that great buyer experience. And what everyone is trying to accomplish is, how do we make it better for the buyer? Speaking of making it better for the buyer, can you tell me about Path Factory, what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we try to deliver that that similar type of on-demand experience for the B2B buyer. Really, our, our end goal is how do you remove as much friction from that process as possible? You know, in B2B, for a buyer to purchase something, and we know largely this is all happening before they even engage with the salesperson, they need to consume a lot of information. I mean, if, you know, talk, mm. talking back about what I just said before, you know, if me and my husband are going to go buy an expensive, you know, bunch of stereo equipment, and we want it to be, we want to make the right choice because we want something great that's not going to break. And But it's still inherently fairly low risk, right? On the B2B side, when people are buying things and their careers are hanging in the balance, yeah. you don't want to buy the wrong thing. And not only that, I mean, think about my life. I mean, I'm constantly held to account for, is it working? Are you getting ROI? Is this delivering value? So in B2B buying, buyers do need to consume a lot of information before they make decisions, right? Everything to understand a product or service, how it competes with other vendors, how it's differentiated, you know, how customers are talking about it. There's all information that you need to sift through to say, yeah, I'm going to, I want to talk to this vendor and I want to, I want to seriously consider doing business with this vendor on that path to consuming all that relevant stuff. You know, I think buyers are just met with tons of friction that marketers have created. And it's, it's not their fault. It's sort of the, the playbook that, that we've always had. You know, you push information out, you put it on your website, you deliver it via email, you throw it out over all these channels. And then, as I said, you kind of hope that you connect it to the right person at the right time. That's a really, uh, that's a really challenging thing to do without leveraging you know, great insight and also machine learning. I think that's going to really change the game for how we're, we're able to deliver these types of on-demand experiences. So that's what we do at PathFactor. I mean, we collect a lot of insight about how people are consuming information, just like, Net, Net, like Netflix does. When you go on there, they know exactly what you've consumed, how long you've spent watching various things, what actors you have preferences for, and they use that to deliver a really powerful real-time recommendation every time you log in. And that's why you see something different than I see. Um, what they're trying to get you to do is consume more content on their platform. And so we take all this insight and we use it to do the exact same thing. How can we deliver real-time recommendations that pick that buyer up where they left off and make sure they see the next best, most relevant asset? And that's all you know, with a mind for how can we help them self-educate faster and move through the buyer's journey faster. 
And in a similar fashion to Netflix, how can you let them consume a lot of information at once? Because no buyer sits down and, you know, reads a a customer testimonial today and then says, you know what, I'll come back in three weeks and read another one. Um, When you're, you know, when you're making these decisions, it's the same. Again, if you're buying something expensive in your personal life, you're, you're consuming a lot of information at once. So how do you let that buyer binge, consume on that, not just drip it out one piece at a time like the the old sort of B2B playbook uh, was written for. So yeah, it's about delivering a great on-demand experience for the buyer, removing the friction and letting them consume content at a pace that that makes sense for them. Yeah. And a lot of marketers are very impatient. Well, we want to put them in the funnel with this, then give them this, then give them this. And you know, first of all, very lucky if they move down the funnel after the first piece, but the cadence is really important to think about. You can't just assault people with content and expect them to be interested in continuing a relationship. Yeah, and I mean, that's such a push-based approach, right? It's like, we're just going to push mm-hmm. it at you. We're going to push it at you across these channels. We're going to, you know, we, we've sat here and we've architected what we believe you need, and we're just going to push it at you, and hopefully that's the right thing. And really, I think the mindset we need to to get to is how can you let the buyer pull on it? Right. How can you let them get in there and say, oh, I want this. And ooh, this over here looks interesting. I mean, again, we're pulling a, a page directly from that sort of on-demand playbook. I mean, there's a reason why you can squander an afternoon on YouTube. And it's because of the power of the recommendations that they deliver and the way that they deliver them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, B2B has not, has not worked like that, but there's no reason why it shouldn't. Oh, that's interesting. So are there any trends or things happening in the marketplace that you're excited about for the next year or so? There are actually one thing is just, I think the return of creativity. Ah. Um, I think, you know, you know, again, like my background is, is I, you know, I like to think of myself as being sort of equally right and left brained, but if I'm being honest, I'm a little more, I lean a little bit more on the right side, but I've always worked in these organizations that were, you know, very sort of left brain centric, you know, a lot of focus on data and analytics and process and and systems. Um, And I love that stuff. I really do. I love nothing more than a super efficient process where I can, you know, see reliable outcomes. And and I love that stuff. But I think what's happened as everyone was out there sort of building their big marketing tech stack and, you know, building these revenue engines and getting really sophisticated about data and analytics, there was almost like this, you know, this deficit of creativity. Um, and, and, you know, you started to see this stuff at all. It was like, I always just like say, it's just like a blur of sameness, like a lot of blue and gray and, um, you know, business jargon and, and, you know, buyers are people, right? Like we've got to entertain and engage yeah, and, yeah. um, you know, make them laugh and, and, and hit them in, in places that, you know, at least use some amount of empathy. Like all these things are really important. So I'm really happy to see more creativity in B2B marketing. I am impressed with, you know, lots of the vendors out there who I think are working hard to break those molds. And, and yes, it's got to be predictable and you've got to have good operations and systems and all that stuff, but you know, it's got to be engaging. So, so that's one thing I think is really nice. Um, and I see it even in the talent pool. I mean, yeah. you know, it used to be when I was interviewing people, it was like they were either a left brain marketer a right brain marketer. It was really hard to find people that I think were balanced. And I'm starting to see more, you know, candidates who come through who I think are really balanced, who, you know, have great, you know, they, they went to school for writing or journalism or whatever. And but, you know, in pursuit of that, they got really good at understanding, you know, building a blog and seeing how people were engaging and all that stuff. So people who have cultivated kind of both sides of their brain. And, you know, I think the other thing that is a, a trend that I like is on is, is a focus on, on people, a focus on buyers, a focus on 
things that are higher touch and more individual and personalized. Um, and I think, you know, ABM has something to do with that. The advent of some of these great personalization technologies has something to do with that. But also just, you know, this, like, you know, yeah, marketing is a volume game. It's true, right? You, you need a certain number in the top to get the right amount out of the bottom, but you, it can't just this churn and burn kind of philosophy, right? It can't just be math. Um, and so I like that, you know, we're seeing more things that just feel thoughtful and, and personalized. And, you know, even BDR outreach, I feel like has come a long way where I, I thought, you know, people take time to get to know who you are and um, send things that are really thoughtful. And so I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on in that area. And that's really encouraging. So everyone's a person. That's basically, you know, how I sum up the last 10 minutes of our discussion. I think so. Yeah. Even in a B2B committee that's buying a $100,000, a million dollar piece of equipment, whatever it is, they're made up of people and you've got to communicate with them as people. That's right. I mean, I think, you know, it's important to resonate with the business challenges and, you know, to mm -hmm. speak specifically to an industry or all that stuff. But like, I self-identify as, you know, a B2B marketer. I self-identify as someone who's a recovering demand gen marketer. I self-identify <laughs> as a New Englander, as right. a person who loves to play tennis, as an athlete, as all these various things, right? Like, that's what makes me me. And I think B2B for a long time was all about putting people in big buckets, right? Yep. Oh, here's a bucket of, you know, this type of person and people like this person, you know. So the reason why Netflix is powerful is because you don't, you weren't delivered a bunch of stuff that people like you would enjoy you're delivered yeah. stuff that you would actually enjoy right sure, that's what sure. that's what makes it really cool um you know I, I love it when i get on netflix and i can almost see the algorithm working i'm like oh yeah. you know it's because i i binge watched this show and then i've watched these three th and you can kind of see like oh no it, was, it looked in my soul and it delivered something that <laughs> it's, it's frightening sometimes yeah right? well it's it's, it's really great <laughs> like, if you think about all the possible things it could be showing you it's surfacing things that it thinks you're gonna like that you're going to sit there and, you know, squander an entire Friday night watching. And so um, mm. that's what makes something like that powerful. And I think it's, it's hard to do on the B2B side. Don't get me wrong. And this stuff, you know, the, the kind of thing I'm talking about, really personalized outreach from a BDR and, uh, you know, having the right content for every type of buyer persona and all this. It's hard. I'm not, don't let me, you know, sure, sugarcoat sure, it. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, it's, it's competitive out there and there's more vendors to look at, more content to sift through. And so the more that we can engage the buyer on a really personal level, I think the, the better results you're going to see because at the end of the day, brand is what drives demand. I mean, you're going to buy from companies that, you know, yes, deliver the product and service, you know, that you need and all that stuff. But if it came down to it and you had two, you know, solutions that were at parity, you're going to buy from the brand that you like better. And that will come down to how they engage with you. Did they engage with you on your terms? Did they make it easy? Did they remove the friction? Did they know what you wanted? And so, right, like it's important to kind of deliver right, that right. level of, of human interaction. Well, I could go on and on about this. I really appreciate you joining me, Al. It's always enlightening to have you on because there's always a point of view that, that I think typical B2B marketers wouldn't expect. I really appreciate you joining me here. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always love talking to you. So thanks for having me on. Thanks to Elle for being here. Next time, John Chang will be here to chat about career planning. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. 
Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc. And this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You stay home for the greater good. Secondhand smoke doesn't. It drifts through cracks in walls, air vents, and sink drains, spreading toxic chemicals that can damage lungs. Secondhand vape also puts your lungs at risk, even with the fruity smells. Protect yourself and the people around you from these secondhand dangers. Learn how at tobaccofreeca.com.